Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower here with my co-host, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hey, how's it going? Well, I'm pretty good, but how are you, Miss New Car? Yeah, I bought a new car last night. Uh, it's great. You know, it's, you know me, I'm a cancer. I don't mm-hmm. like to spend money. And I have needed to buy a new car for quite a while. I've been putting it off. I've been ridiculous. This buying cars is, oh my God. But we actually found a car that we absolutely loved and bought it from an individual, which was nice because it was just so much easier to deal with him. He didn't live far from us. He turned out to be someone that, you know, is, you know, knows people we know. And it just worked out like exactly the way it should. So anyway, yeah, it's all good. We went and got it registered this morning and onto insurance and, I was going to take it and have it detailed. And, you know, my teenager was like, oh, you know, uh, I like money. (laughs) (laughs) She spent most of the day and it wasn't super dirty, but she spent most of the day doing it like a, I was like, I'll pay you to detail it. But if you, it it has to be a professional job, you know, (laughs) like if this is the five second job, don't even think about it. But anyway, she did a great job. And so we're rolling. So yeah, it's, it's great. It's beautiful. It's, a luxury car and it's, it's everything I needed. So, well, yeah. good. I'm glad to hear that. That's wonderful. I know you are not a big fan of the car shopping. No, I will say though, that we actually got a phenomenal deal. My bank couldn't believe it. Actually. We bought it $5,000 under book. Wow. Just because this guy had not had much luck selling it because he's not good at writing ads. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Somebody's loss is somebody else's gain. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So anyway, that that's all that's new in my world. Just, well, you know, that's very cool. Yeah. And how are you? Well, I'm doing great. Just doing well, you know, just hibernating away from the sun. Just yeah. not a summer person, never have been. So I'm kind of looking forward to September. I'm ready yeah. for things to cool a bit. And right now Me I too. don't want to even set foot outside because I hate the heat. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know. I'm getting kind of bored. I'm going to be really glad when we can go back to camping and doing outdoor stuff when it cools off. Me too. It's been pretty brutal. My dogs are so lazy. They just, they lay in the house and just, you know, they're just passed out. But the pigs, I have, some of you guys know this, but I have too many pigs that live in the house. And normally in the summer, in the morning, they get up, they eat breakfast, they go outside and play most of the day. You know, they have a piggy door so they can come and go, but it's been so hot. They don't want to go outside. Uh-huh. And so instead, they're in the house, getting into stuff, nagging the crap out of me. If you hear it winking and banging around during the show, it's because they're outside my office door, mad because I wouldn't let them come in. And they've been fighting <laughs> and banging on the door and winking and, <laughs> you know, honking and squealing and carrying on. So if you hear no, some of that going on, right. you'll know why. So, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, one of my family members will notice that the pigs are harassing me, but... I hope so. I have but spent most of the know. day in my resin studio, you know, because I'm a resin artist. It's uh, part yeah. of what I do. And they can't come in there either because they get into everything. And they have sat outside that door and fought until <laughs> I finally made them go outside for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got dogs and cats and they give me a run for my money regularly. I think I'm going to say a hard pass on the pigs here in these stories. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. rush into anything on that. Yep. <laughs> no, not at all. They're fun and they're cute and we do love them. Oh, but yeah. Today they have really, really been on my last nerve. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Sounds like it. Poor kids. Well, we wanted to come with a live stream tonight for you guys because there's been a lot of discussion lately about poison. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Daybell Vallow case that we're following very closely, of course, there are several unsolved murders of adults who all seem to have died of the same thing. Um, pulmonary embolism. They seem to all be having a pulmonary embolism, except that mm-hmm. they don't really have a lot of physical reason to have had one. Yeah. But, you know, when several people in your family die of a pulmonary embolism within two or three months of each other, it does kind of make you go, what's up with this? Yeah. So we wanted to share, first of all, we want to give a shout out to two of our um, listeners who in the comments suggested two potential poisons that could cause pulmonary embolism. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. those two. So that's malachite and mm-hmm. that's um, blue ring octopus venom. Mm-hmm. And then we just did some research. So Katie and I both have some things to cover of some different poisons. And and could they be a possible in that case? And also just in general, sort of interesting. Hey, if the FBI is listening, please know that my search history about poisons and <laughs> what causes pulmonary embolism, you know, what toxins cause pulmonary embolism. That was research for this show. I'm not planning anything. So as yeah. I was researching, I was like, wow. Hmm. Yeah, nobody's uh, tracking me. (laughs) Yeah, my husband and I had the same conversation last night. I was like, if anyone ever looks at my search history, not just today, but in general, they're really going to wonder who the hell this person is. Yep. I I have a true crime (laughs) podcast. I swear. That's what I'm doing. So let's yeah. start with the blue ring octopus. Okay. So the, the one of the reasons the blue ring octopus came up is because they do live around Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So there was a thought that maybe. One kind of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's several different kinds. All over the world, but yeah. Right. Yeah. But they are available around Hawaii and they are a kind of octopus that people eat too. So um, no. I, I did a little research about them just to learn about, you know, could they in fact cause a pulmonary embolism. Let me be very clear. I'm not a professional. I simply did a lot of Googling, Um, but this is what I found. So um, the venom would either have to be extracted or ingested in this situation. Normally what happens is people get bit by them. Mm -hmm. They're small. They're only like this length of a pencil. They're not a very big octopus. And when they bite you, you don't even feel it. Um, But here's the problem in their salivary glands. There are microorganisms that produce tetrodotoxin, which is the same toxin that's in puffer fish. Oh, okay. Sure. So it causes paralysis. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. actually cause pulmonary embolism. Mm -hmm. It causes respiratory failure because what happens is that you pretty quickly become completely paralyzed. And so your breathing will just shut down. Yeah. Um, It is, in fact, survivable. The, uh, you know, if, if this happens to you, you're out you know, in the ocean and get bit by one, yeah. if they can get you quickly enough and get you on a ventilator, it, the paralysis lasts about 15 hours. And if you can, you know, have assistance with breathing during that time, you will survive it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you were asleep in your bed in Salem, Idaho, and someone injected you with this stuff, you would definitely die. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you your whole system shuts down. But here's the thing it doesn't cause a pulmonary embolism. So that doesn't quite fit with the autopsy results that we've seen um, or, or sort of some of them are rumored and some of them we've seen with um, Tam Daybell and Joe Ryan. Um, it doesn't quite fit, but yeah. I did find it interesting that it is certainly something that uh, might come up again in another uh, true crime kind of a way. So definitely. I yeah. Definitely. So, Katie, do you want to share one of yours? 
yeah. So let's talk about malachite. This has been a big theory from people for a few reasons. I mean, the main reason was that Ian Pulowski in his uh, conversations with the FBI said that Lori and Chad and their group had been using some kind of an ointment or cream and some kind of an oil or salve that had been made by malachite that they were, uh, you know, he, he said blessing and then using in part of uh, their, their work, their stuff. So oh, there's some really, really big crazy. problems with that. Yeah. Because yeah. anybody that knows anything about, well, I mean, this is a form of crystal therapy. So I guess we'll kind of back up there. I, I want to explain that a little bit because some of you mm-hmm. guys are like, what the hell? Crystal healing, crystal therapy is in like the new age uh, metaphysical world, pretty well known, you know, mm-hmm. and people do make creams and salves out of the essence of crystals all the time. They make crystal elixirs. Sure. So maybe somebody would take, so like, say you're going to, you want to boost your intuition. Maybe you would put an amethyst in a glass of water and you would bless it. Now, was Chad giving it like a priesthood blessing or were they doing more like energy work? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing it was more of an energy worky thing, but I could still see him doing like using it combo. It seems to that there was a lot of yeah. mixing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure on that, but that's actually a pretty, uh, you know, in the new age world, that wouldn't surprise anyone to hear that, you know, mm-hmm. except for that. So, so if you were making a, I'm all over the place, sorry. Let's say you were making a crystal elixir, you take a glass of water or juice or wine or whatever, you'd put an amethyst in it, if that was the stone you were using, and you would put your hands around it, maybe you'd hold it up to your heart, and you would bless it with your intentions. So that doesn't surprise me. That seems kind of normal. You know, you can make your own essential oil roll-ons and put crystals right in them. You can buy them that way. You can make them that way. That yeah. That's not surprising. None of that is surprising um, to, you know, to people that, you know, play in the metaphysical world. But right. malachite is really surprising because oh, yeah. malachite is very toxic. Now get toxic. There's a difference between toxic and poisonous. So malachite is toxic, not necessarily poisonous. However, malachite's really tough on your system. The reason why is because malachite is more than 50% copper. Yeah. And copper in itself can be toxic, right? So it's the dust of malachite that is a problem. So, for example, people that work in lapidary uh, jobs or, you know, hobbies, you have to wear a respirator when you cut Actually, you should with any stone, but most particularly these ones that are high in heavy metals. Don't they uh, cut them with water, too, to try yeah, to keep the dust down? They, yeah, they put them underwater and cut them that way. Yeah, because of the dust factor. Now, I did read an account from a lady who didn't know that about malachite, and she did cut some malachite and some chrysocolla, mm-hmm. uh, because that chrysocolla falls in the same classification and a couple other stones uh, without uh, cutting them underwater or using a respirator. Mm. And she had a very serious lung injury from that. She said uh, it, the dust of it coated the insides of her lungs so that she couldn't really absorb oxygen. Oh. And there, then tiny shards from that drove its way into the fibers of her lungs. And gosh, anyway, it, it caused a really serious injury. However, it did not kill her. But but that's that's why that that's why people are considering it toxic, and that's why people are are suspicious. And you might have heard this before: people kind of wondering, could it have been malachite poisoning? Well, you know, so, the other reason why they're wondering it 
is because Chad and Lori's wedding rings are Malachite rings. Yes. So one of the things that was discovered in some evidence, uh, I believe that Kay helped turn this over, but sometime in October or September, September September-ish October, uh, they found Lori's Amazon account because it was still Charles's Amazon account and discovered that she had bought uh, she was shopping for a wedding dress and for men's uh, like vacation clothes and had purchased two Malachite wedding rings. And they were they're these actually, I think, kind of ugly rings, but yeah, they're yeah. the bands that have like triangles of Malachite inset in them. So why Malachite? Well, in like the metaphysical world, Malachite is full of healing properties. Now, this might not be exactly what they were using it because they seem to... Uh, kind of, you know, go off the rails with their, you know, they're not as mainstream. And I know crystal therapy is not mainstream anyway, but, you know, bear with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Malachite is good for calming, loyalty, leadership, protection, wisdom, comfort, balance, peace, self-understanding, positive transformation, healing, and unconditional love and heart connections. So... Mm -hmm. That may or may not have been why they were using Malachite. So why would two diabolical murderers want that? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing it's something different. Uh, my thought on it is that there's some kind of uh, a God said so about Malachite. Mm, could be, could be. So, but the question remains, Did uh, could they have used Malachite to commit murder? Well, what we know is that what copper toxicity does is it builds builds up in your liver. And so if you are poisoned or have that toxicity from heavy metals, you'll see that's where they'll build up in. Alex Cox, in his autopsy, his liver was clear. And so for that reason, I am going to say that I don't believe it was malachite. I also don't believe it was malachite because it's just not toxic enough. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't cause an actual pulmonary embolism. Right. Now I know some people will disagree with me because people really wanted it to be malachite because it just seems so damn perfect, you know, but that's that's my personal opinion after doing a lot of research on it. I couldn't find a single instance of anyone ever actually dying from malachite poisoning. Again, injuries to your lungs. Absolutely. Uh, But actual death, I didn't find it. So, and I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but I didn't find it. So, but because of the, the copper and the heavy metal aspect of building up in the kidney and the liver, kidneys and liver and Alex Cox did not have anything. His liver was clean. So for me, it's just a no. Yeah. It sounds like it. Okay. Well, thank you. That's awesome information. Um, The next thing that I found that can potentially cause a pulmonary embolism is prostaglandin or dinoprost, which is a hormone that induces labor. The thing is, it just can sometimes cause pulmonary embolism. It's not a given you inject somebody with this, they have a pulmonary embolism. So I ruled that Mm -hmm. out really quickly that it definitely couldn't be um, what was used in this situation. If, if something was used Mm -hmm. um, because it's just not, it's not reliable enough because it, I mean, it is actually safely used to induce labor all the time, Mm -hmm. but in some people it can cause pulmonary embolism. So didn't get much there. What else have you got? 
Well, I have a list of five of the most well-known poisons used in history. Uh And all of them are pretty interesting. They don't all necessarily cause what's happened to our books, at Mm. least in the Daybell case. But again, like we we cover lots of cases. So, you know, this isn't necessarily just that case that's that's rolling around my mind. But anyway, I thought that this was a pretty interesting list. So arsenic, you know, we've all Mm. heard of arsenic, right? We've all made a joke about slipping arsenic in somebody's something, you know, or maybe you have, I don't know, not me. Mm -hmm. Course, yeah, but, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But I've heard some of you guys no, say. No, FBI, right? this is all research for my show. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So arsenic's been used for a really long time. In Roman times, arsenic was used to poison rivals and even emperors. It got its, uh, it became known as the inheritance powder because there was in the 1600s, <laughs> mm-hmm, in the 1600s, there was a woman known as Tafana of Sicily. In Rome, who was uh, selling it to people to dispose of husbands, of elderly family members, or maybe not even so elderly if you were set to inherit from them. Uh, It became quite an issue that uh, people were knocking off right and left. And it was from it was because of arsenic. Uh, in the 1800s, arsenic became very available as weed killers, as uh, be, it was used on flypapers, rat poisons. Uh, you know, it's been used in a lot of commercial compounds. Uh, but it's also been known in a lot of domestic murders and a lot of uh, really famous murders. So yeah. arsenic is a big one. Um, arsenic is also tasteless and colorless. And so it's right. easy to slip into somebody's uh, food or drink and they would not know it was there. So... And then there's atropine. Atropine is also known as belladonna. You guys have probably heard of this. It is extracted from the deadly nightshade bush from the berries. Uh, The juice of four berries is enough to kill a human. Wow. So it was used uh, to cause hallucinations. This was a drug, actually, that was used in ancient Greece. (laughs) So, you know. If you wanted to do, you know, somebody like more currently might do shrooms, uh, they were doing belladonna. Wow. Boy, you have to be super careful with your dosing. (laughs) If you took too much, you would go ahead and die. So um, it was a favorite poison in medieval Europe because it was such a small amount of it is fatal. The symptoms of it, however, create uh, a real red flush in people. And kind of one of the, the, like the fevers or the flus back in those days. And so sometimes they, you know, it seems like maybe they sometimes didn't know the difference when somebody got poisoned between whether they were poisoned or they were just sick. Mm-hmm. Strychnine. Mm-hmm. We're all familiar with that one too, right? You've heard it before. Mm-hmm. It comes from seeds of the nukes vomica tree. That just doesn't sound like something you want in the first place. Nukes no, vomica. That's a little too close to vomit for me. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it as don't they use it as a as a homeopathic for nausea? Mm-hmm. I've yep. had it before. I think uh-huh. uh, it was grown in south. It grows in Southeast Asia, uh, but it became really available in the West as medicine. Yeah, as uh, trade with the Far East expanded, but it yeah because it was used as a tonic by doctors in small doses to aid with nausea, convalescence, and depression. But they were also using it in larger doses to poison rats. Seems like about everything here, uh, it was used first to kill rats. And then people thought, well, hell, 
let's make some medicine out of it. <laughs> or let's, you know, yeah. let's kill grandpa with it so we can get our uh, inheritance. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it was easy to get uh, and it was used in a lot of murders, especially back, you know, long before there were ever any kind of toxicology reports. Right. People just mm-hmm. killed over. All righty. How about cyanide? We've all heard of cyanide. Of course. So cyanide is distilled from the kernels of certain nuts. Uh, almonds. Interesting. So this is like a very, uh, like a potent blend of, of almond skin, apparently, as well mm-hmm. as uh, some of the leaves of some laurel bushes. So sodium cyanide is really well used in mining and has been used uh, in attempted mass murders. Mm. You guys, if you remember back in the 80s, there was a time when Tylenol was laced with cyanide. Do you guys remember this? It happened in the Chicago area and several people yeah. did die from, from uh, anyway, from, from Tylenol. Wow, I'm going to lose it all. From Tylenol that was in some way uh, contaminated with yeah. cyanide purposely. That was purposely. Anyway, that's a show all in itself, but. Oh yeah, it is. That's a really interesting story, actually. I actually, when I read that, I I remember as a kid, my mom throwing away all the Tylenol and the aspirin, just to be sure. Everybody was really freaked out about taking any over-the-counter pain med at that point because it panic spread throughout the land, but anyway. Yeah, and it ended up only just being in the one place, but Mm -hmm. yeah, the whole country kind of freaked out. Yeah. Now cyanide, you know, the the more toxic uh, form of cyanide dose of, not form, but dose of cyanide uh, has been featured in a lot of different domestic murders and famous murders. It causes death in a matter of minutes. And it is, have you ever seen like in the James Bond movies or thinking about like World War II, the spies that they had a capsule on them, a suicide pill, like mm-hmm. secret agents and spies, it was cyanide. Yeah. And the reason why is because it is the fastest acting of all poisons. Very interesting. Yeah. And then thallium. Oh, yes. So thallium uh, is actually fairly new in comparison to some of these that were used like, you know, thousands of years ago. Thallium was discovered in the 1960s and it has been used in some murders that we know of, but it was also, guess what? A rat poison. Every time. Every time. It has also been used as an agent of assassination in some countries. It is water-soluble and tasteless, and it takes several days for the symptoms to show up. And even then, they're generally attributed to other illnesses. So could thallium be our smoking gun? I have no idea. But thallium was used by Saddam Hussein's secret police and by the Russian KGB. Because they would poison people. They probably still do poison people. Mm -hmm. And you you don't die for several days, and so you you don't know you've been poisoned. Right. And where you point the finger. Right. And at wherever you were, you know, put up to that, you know, wherever you were uh, exposed to that, you might not know. Yeah. Right. One other thing that I thought was very interesting, I was reading about, well, poison, you know, and mm-hmm. one of the things that I read that I thought was really, really interesting, I, uh, it was from a pre-med student that said that in a class, uh, or not a pre-med student, an EMT student, I don't know. Anyway, they were talking in a class about what what poisons or what, you know, would be the most undetectable way to kill someone. 
And their answer actually was insulin. Oh, insulin. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting, really interesting, actually. So, yeah, a big dose of insulin and, and, you, and it burns out of the body fairly quickly. It already exists in the body. So if somebody isn't a diabetic, they're probably not looking at that anyway. Yeah. So Victoria in our chat wondered about uh, ethylene glycol or, or ethanol glycol. Sorry. And ethanol glycol, there's been a, a fairly recent case of someone trying to kill their professor. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. With ethanol glycol by uh, repeatedly giving him coffee uh, that they had said they had sweetened with an artificial sweetener. Ooh, and it was ethanol glycol. Oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's sweet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they, they didn't, he didn't die actually. But uh, anyway, that, that's been something that's been in the news not too long ago. So pretty interesting. But so those are a few thoughts on poisons. Okay. You know, the other is an air bubble in the bloodstream. Right. An air embolism. Mm-hmm. I have certainly wondered about that. The thing is, you know, somebody's got to kind of be, you don't just, what am I trying to say? Like, you got to hold somebody down to inject them if you're going right. to, you know, I think about like Tammy, she was asleep. Yeah. So whatever happened with her, you know, mm-hmm. um, but like, Alex wasn't right. So, I don't know. Interesting though. Alex was poorly for a few days or at least yeah. according to Melanie Pulowski, he was, mm-hmm. he'd been uh, not feeling well for a few days. And, and then of course he died, which kind of led me back to Valium, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Valium I might do be. Not know. Well, I have one more and I found this one very interesting. So this is um, cyanotoxin. So when you say that when there's a toxic algae bloom, the blue green toxic algae blooms, they're caused by cyano cyanobacteria or cyanotoxin bacteria. So if you were to drink that water or even you could potentially come into contact with it with your skin, it can poison you. It can kill you. Um, Shellfish poisoning frequently is from cyanotoxin bacteria because it builds up in fish and shellfish. Okay, But here's the interesting thing. I did a little research and discovered that cyanotoxin bacteria don't just happen on the ocean. They also happen on fresh water. And Idaho has yearly blooms of cyanotoxin bacteria. Interesting. And it can, in fact, cause pulmonary embolism. Wow. Um, the, The one research study I read about it, they were actually injecting mice with it. And so you can inject it. Um, The thing about it, though, is is that it does really severe damage to the liver. So Mm -hmm. I think for Alex, we know that's out for Alex because he Mm -hmm. didn't have any liver damage. Yeah. We don't know about Tammy because we haven't seen her autopsy yet. But that was I just found that interesting because it's that is something that if you knew a little bit about it. Yeah. Would be pretty easy to pick up around here, because that was my other question. Like, where do you get these things? Yeah. And some of them, if they're rat poison, you know. Right. I mean, some of these things I don't think would be too hard to pick up at a farm supply store, Mm -hmm. you know, or something along those lines. Living where we do, I think a lot of those things are fairly common being used on farms. Uh And it wouldn't be seen as weird to be purchasing some of them. Yeah, that was my thought as well, you know, and that 
it might be a little hard to track you back. Now, Victoria has a good point. This is something I've thought a lot about too. Victoria, she said, with Chad and Lori, haven't they gone through all of the computers, all of their computers? I'm sure it's on Google. I've really thought about that too, because they've made a lot of stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, their their search uh, histories and, and the way search histories are gathered these days as well. I really wondered, I, I've been saying all along that I really think that it'll be in the tech. That's what really gets them, you know? And so far, you know, we're seeing that to be true, but I'm with you. I think uh, that there was some Googling going on that gave them some suspicions. I also really wondered if there had been some Googling of Yellowstone and the hot pots and which uh, pools up there would dissolve a body Mm -hmm. because they were so sure there for a while that Tylee was in Yellowstone. I know. I wondered that too, if, if there, they literally, you know, had been looking Mm -hmm. at that kind of stuff. But one of the things Mm -hmm. that I read about the weekend that they were there in Yellowstone is that it was packed. Ah. There were tons of people. And that's one reason why they got so much uh, cell phone footage and pictures and stuff from people when, when the FBI requested it is because it was a really busy weekend in Yellowstone. So maybe they went up there with that plan and then, couldn't get away from people to make it happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They did seem to be intent on trying to make her disappear. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And there is, I mean, there was uh, an instance a few years ago of a guy who commits suicide that way, who stepped off into a pool. They tried to get his body out. Uh, it was uh, like dusk and it was just too dangerous. And they called the search, said they'd come back and try the next morning. By morning, the only thing that was left was his wallet. Yeah. He was completely dissolved. So it is possible up there. And I do wonder if that was really why they were so, I mean, they knew that's the weekend she disappeared. Mm -hmm. They were so sure. Yeah. You know, for a little while I felt like, well, I don't know that for sure. But they seemed to be quite sure that, you know, Kylie was in Yellowstone. Yeah, they sure did. Anyway, it, it does. Anyway, Victoria, that was kind of a a long leading answer, but <laughs> that's what I think is that, that, yeah, it's, it's very possible that their search stuff is coming back to bite them. And that it I, I think so. And, and we'll see so much more of it when we finally get into actual trial, mm-hmm. you know, yep. I did see that they, they did set uh, Lori's arraignment date. So Chad's arraignment date in district court is August 21st and Lori's is August 27th. So that's going to be interesting because they're going to have another opportunity to uh, plead guilty or not guilty. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think they will very likely plead not guilty, both of them. But oh, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Unless somebody, it's another opportunity for a plea to happen, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Well, they will because, yes, again, yeah. This will be a bargaining chip later down the road mm-hmm. as more charges come to the surface because they're going to, you know. and oh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, it's an interesting conversation about poisons and thinking about uh, how, uh, how it all could work. Yeah. Years ago, yeah. someone came into, we owned a metaphysical store for years and uh, a, a kind of just a, like a, a random seller came in one time with a ton of rocks and jewelry. He actually had really cool stuff. But one of the things he had was a huge selection of poison rings. Yes. We all had to have one, yeah. but you know, there are these cool rings that you basically could just pop open uh, and have some poison in there that you just, you know, when you were fixing someone's tea, you would just pop just, your ring open and your yeah. poison would fall in and that was it. You know, that's, um, and poison rings were a thing. They were, a, a you know, they, they were a fashion piece at one point. Kind of make you suspicious, wouldn't it? That suddenly someone in your family starts wearing this brand new fancy poison ring. <laughs> You'd be yeah. like, 
Uh, I'll make my own tea. Thank you very much. <laughs> right? No kidding. Stephanie in the live stream has a question. Stephanie Fire, we're listening. Yeah. And Missy says blue octopus venom. You might be joining us yes. late. We did cover blue octopus venom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't cause pulmonary. Um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Embolism. Embolism. It causes paralysis. It does. It causes paralysis. So it causes, it doesn't. In the research that I've done, it causes um, respiratory failure from paralysis. So it's a little bit different um, because it just shuts down your body. So you, you are unable to move. And so you can't breathe your lungs start, you know, your heart stops pumping, your lungs stop breathing, but it's not a blood clot, which is what a lot of these guys have. Could that eventually cause one? Do you think? Um, Maybe eventually, but I mean, if you don't get help like right away, you're dead. I mean, I don't even think there's time for a blood clot to happen. Mm -hmm. If you aren't in a position where you're right away getting like rescue breathing until they can get you on a ventilator, you're toast. However, Missy, I thought it was a really compelling thought because Lori was in Hawaii repeatedly. and Right. Yeah. Parts of it totally do make sense. And there have been poisonings of people who ate it also. Well, you know, it's it's like puffer fish that it has to be prepared exactly right. You have to get the salivary glands out because that's where the toxin is. And if you don't, it can kill you that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you subscribe to the theory, which we do, that Joseph was actually her first victim or he and or, or her, you know, maybe Lori and Alex's first victim, mm-hmm. then she had just been coming back and forth from Hawaii. And so, yeah. Oh yeah. I see. It does lead to death. Definitely. If you yeah, don't get rescue breathing, it, it does. Oh, I think it's an interesting thought. Definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting in the way it causes paralysis. And what's horrible is that you're fully conscious the whole time oh, until your heart and your lungs just shut down and then you die. Oh, that's so terrible. Yeah. I wanted to answer Stephanie's question. She said, how is it that Tammy did not see anything when they buried the children because she was still alive at the time? I have an answer for you. When they buried Tylee, she was at work. She was a school librarian at a local grade school and she was at work. They did this in the middle of the morning, believe it or not. And she did not. She was at work. When they buried JJ, she was out of town. Chad had had a vision of her grandmother and her grandmother had wanted her to go to Utah to visit her family. And so I I keep hearing this, that, that Chad sent Tammy to Utah and I'm like, Tammy was 49 years old. Really? Chad sent Tammy back. I suspect that's actually true. You know, Mm -hmm. but at any rate, he had encouraged her or asked her to go to Utah and spend time with her family. So she was actually out of town that weekend. Yeah. Um, So in both cases, she just wasn't home. Yeah. Um, in in the case of Tylee, also, that is the day that the strange text message about the raccoon happened, where he covered his tracks by saying, hey, by the way, there was a big raccoon on the fence. I killed it and buried it in the um, the pet cemetery, in, in the pet cemetery, which is where they buried Tylee. He also said, I decided to burn a bunch of the limbs in the yard before they get wet because it was going to storm. Uh, and they had used the fire pit also, mm-hmm. and he wanted to cover up the fact that he had fired a gun, which is yeah. horrifying. Yeah. So, yeah. Those, and and if you if you see the property, you'll see that where all of this occurred is way back at the end of the property, and yeah. it's not near the house. I mean, unless you went out there intentionally, you wouldn't notice. And because he had said, oh, I did these things, mm-hmm. it, you wouldn't immediately have known that anything had happened. Yeah, Totally. 
Yep. Yeah, so that's how. That is exactly how he did that. Yeah, Missy said, Chad's visions were so convenient for him, weren't they? Yeah, so mm -hmm. convenient. Oh, and yeah, wouldn't Tammy have sensed something was a bit off? We have heard rumors that, yes, Tammy did sense that some things were off and that their mm -hmm. marriage was pretty rocky at this point. Things weren't good. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that, you know, I wonder if she had suspicions about the affair that mm -hmm. was going on, but I don't think she had any awareness of the murdering of the children. <laughs> no, I don't think in her wildest dreams she would have thought that that would be the thing that was going on. I do think she knew about the affair. Mm -hmm. But my understanding from people close to their family is that she was, uh, she had considered leaving Chad, but they had a son on a mission Yes, uh, for the Mormon church. He was, uh, you know, he was out and the young men serve in a mission field for two years. And for your parents to get divorced while you're on your mission would be a huge uh, shakeup. And so her decision had been to stay and make it work until that kid got home from his mission. Yeah. Which, how very sad for Tammy. But, um, you know, right up to the end, she was doing the best she could to be the best mom she could. She was. She was. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Missy says, what a terrible thing to do to a raccoon. And and I agree. I would never do it. Oh, but yeah. living out in the country where they live, mm -hmm. um, raccoons get into a lot of things. It's not that uncommon. Um, it's not okay. something I would do. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it is. People hate raccoons. <laughs> Victoria, I hope no one I know dies after looking for all these types of poison. I know, Victoria. <laughs> me, too. That's why I'm like, FBI, if you're listening, this was for a case. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, the other sort part of the, about the raccoon that I didn't really get is raccoons are nocturnal. Yeah. And the idea that a big raccoon was just walking up the fence line, just pissing everybody off like that is just outrageous to me, honestly, yeah. because, um, but also they do that stuff if a night. raccoon was walking up the fence line, depending up the fence line, he would have been firing at his neighbor's house. Yeah. You know, yeah, looking at the, Looking at the fence line. I know. Unless like it was one of the back fence lines and he would have been firing into an open field. But yeah, you know, that I the vision I have always had of that is a raccoon right up against like the canal side, you know, and I'm like, really? I know, me too. And he I just walked right up there and shot a raccoon. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yucky. Yeah. No, I, I'm quite sure she knew about the affair. I do. Yeah. I, I but think I'll tell you guys something. I don't think this was Chad's first affair. Oh, hell no. And you know. No, no. My sense is that this has been a challenge throughout their marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And unfortunately, some women stay for their kids, for their church, you know, for, for various reasons. Um, and yeah, I, I think that this was just one of, you know, one of a few. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, that's what we have for you tonight. We just wanted to talk yeah. poisons a little bit and talk theories around poisons. It's kind of interesting to consider, you know, hopefully we're going to get an answer one day about how they did it. Yeah. Um, I, I think we will. Mm -hmm. you know, more is coming, but. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Well, well, thanks you guys. We are true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters. And thanks for joining us tonight, guys. Thanks guys. Take care.
you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.